correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we're going to talk some RPGs, but before we get into that, we have a supplement and a podcast to talk about. Yeah, well, we figured we'd do things a little different, but because, well... Hooli runs the Forge and is part of the D20 Radio Network, and he's an honorary Steve, and we've had him on the show a whole bunch of times. We figured we'd shout out the Forge this week because, well, they haven't released a new episode in a while, but Hooli finally re- finished released up. a book. <laughs> yes, he released a book, which uh, probably is significantly more work than a podcast episode. One would hope. <laughs> <laughs> they have released uh, what they call the Forge Collection Encounter Zones, which is a supplement that is all about kind of breaking down the abstract movement and range band system of Genesis and to a certain point Star Wars as well into maybe a little more concrete. Solid and reasonable terms. Yeah. Yeah. We've been kind of behind the scenes on this for a minute now, and it's a, I like it. I think it's a really cool concept. I think it's something that, certain Genesis books really, or certain Genesis settings really needed. Mm -hmm. Um, As with everything in Genesis, it's, it's such a use it if you feel like you need it type thing. You know what I mean? It's got some, some neat stuff. And I know, I think some of like the stuff that Brett was doing with uh, Anarchy and Dragon City kind of tied into it specifically some with like the, um, some of his net running rules and stuff, I think kind of tied into this kind of concept of zone movement. But it, it it really does kind of, if, if the abstract movement and stuff is something you struggle with, this could certainly help you out. It's on drive through It's part of the Foundry. Uh, it's all of $5. So, yeah, if, if Genesis is your thing and, and you feel like you could use some help with the movement or your players could use some help with the movement, grab it and, uh, you know, see if it'll help you. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you're supporting a really cool creator and a good dude. Yep. So, yep. Hooli's good and he's an honorary Steve. Yep. But uh I'm glad to see it on well, digital bookshelves finally. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I we can tell you from personal experience he's been working on this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So many well, it, and the bad part is Hooli's over there in Australia and we're over here in the United States and so so many late nights of hey, how does this look? And it's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm staring at a PDF like I don't know, man. I got to look at that in the morning. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. It's too early right now. <laughs> you're like getting too early, up for too work. late. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. There was a couple times where you're like getting up for work. Like, I don't know. I'll look at it at lunch. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah. but you had a topic for tonight and I think it's pretty apt because now that we're through the end of the year and we're through the holidays, I feel myself a little bit more refreshed, but you know, you were talking about you wanted to get into burnout. Well, not so much burnout as is, is getting stuck in a rut. Yeah. Now, I'll be the first to say that 
probably half of the advice I need to follow to do this is crap that I've already said on this show. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going back to listen to 150-some episodes of my own voice. Is that not wild? Is that not crazy that we are like 150-some episodes into this? Yeah, no kidding. We have spewed so much information out into the ether. (laughs) And neither of us listen to it. Neither of us take our own advice. You know what, though? It's a whole lot easier to say good advice than to practice good advice. It is. It is. So I think it depends on... So for me, just to start things off, when it comes to burnout, it depends on what I'm feeling burnout about. So if I'm burnout on... like, If I get stuck in a rut where it's like, man... I play these two games weekly. I'm always playing on Monday nights. I'm always playing on Friday nights. I'm so tired of these same two games over and over and over and over again. And it's not a fault against anybody other than like me just being tired of repetition. The first thing that I start looking for is, is there a way for me to either add another game that adds, that breaks up some of the monotony, or can I step away from one of these games or both of these games and just get the breath away that I need. Adding a third game isn't always feasible. I just realistically, I like to, I think for me, a lot of the time, the rut comes from playing the same games over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like Monday's Genesis, Friday's D&D, Monday's Genesis, Friday's D&D. So if I, if I had the ability to add a third game, maybe I'll play like a rotating one shot type just mm-hmm. to break up that constantly playing the same two games over and over again. And again, this comes from somebody who's like, I'm just not a brand loyalty person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your system promiscuous in the words of, uh, yes. Stacks. Yes. And so maybe that's a conversation to have, you know, Hey, I'm feeling a little bit burnt out. I'm in a bit of a rut. Can we change this up? You know, can somebody take over for a little bit? I need to step away. Like just, that little bit of change up sometimes can be enough. And sometimes it takes big shakeups. I don't know. How do you feel like, you know, what's your what's your opinion? What are you feeling like would help you get out of a rut? Well, see, for me, it's it's not a, a rut like you're talking about there. I think what you're talking about there, what you've described is probably the best way for me to bust out of a rut like that. Find a game that is just different, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or or step away from one of the ones that I'm too complacent in right. my rut is more as a GM. I, you know, I've, I've had a couple campaigns that just got bit by, well, in some respects, insufficient planning on my part and just also scheduling snafus Nonsense. that were the fault of no one. Yeah. you know, Just like the perfect storm of crap. It's hard to get over that scheduling nonsense. And and I realized the other day that, and this was about the time we were talking to JT, me and you were incredibly privileged in a lot of ways in that on any given day, I could throw up a message in the Discord and be like, hey, anybody around want to play this game right now? And I would bet I could get at least three players. Good chance, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Not, not saying out of specificity, but just in general. Yeah, we get interest at least. Yes. Whereas like your average Joe Schmo, you know, maybe you the listener, not to call you Joe Schmo, but you the listener, would be like, 
oh man, I need to find people to play this game. So now you got to reach out. You either got to go on a Discord somewhere like our lovely Discord, the Me and Steve Talk RPGs Discord, or you got to go to like the Genesis Discord or the blah, blah, blah Discord, your local game shop Discord, or, you know, even go into a local game store and trying to drum up interest. Mm-hmm. It's harder. It was harder back in the day <laughs> to find a game that wasn't something either that you didn't want to play or something that worked better with your schedule. Yeah. With the internet that has made that a bit easier. Yeah. And we're both getting more used to playing online. Yeah. Yeah. No, it like for me, it's just like, I keep, so things happen, right. That I probably shouldn't let discourage me or whatever the appropriate term is. Before you go off on that, I do want to address your other, your other point that you've made about you feeling like you're not prepared enough or you feeling that that you didn't do enough preparation. That can be true and that can happen. I find myself really pushing to not let me get bothered by that. If I if session 1 we come out swinging and and I feel like oh man, I did not do enough prep for this game. Great. That just means I got to push a little bit harder for session 2 and I got to make it a little bit better. And I I know that's not always the feasible option, like life and time and everything, but I see this is why I don't do a ton of prep before starting a game. I get my basic ideas and I get a really healthy understanding of the core system. And then I go from there and Mm -hmm. I build off that. And if, you know, if it does require me to do a little bit more research or reading, I'll be like, okay, put a pin in that, make a note of it. I need to read up on this. I need to look into that. Because years and years and years of of learning the hard way of like, man, back in the AD&D days, I focused on stuff that did not matter. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to take over this episode. Talk no, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Back in the AD&D days, there was all this information. I found my old notebooks the other day and was <laughs> laughing and laughing and laughing because I found notebooks from before I even ran games of me taking notes, thinking I what it took to be a game master, right? Like what it took to be a dungeon master before I was one. And I had notes on like, I've talked about this in the past. Back in AD&D, different crystals interacted differently depending on what you were doing. So if you had like amethyst, it wouldn't let you get drunk. Like if you had it on your person, you could not physically get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like drunk or poisoned, which makes sense. And it was just a whole bunch of them. And I was like, oh, man, what if my what if my players collect these crystals? That never mattered. That never once came up in a game. I have all that knowledge stored away in books somewhere that I took notes of. It never was the important part. The important part was, oh, man, I hope my players can read. <laughs> <laughs> and not a sl- it's not me being rude against anybody that has difficulties reading. That is me literally saying these like grown adults should be able to read a piece of paper with a handful of numbers on it. <laughs> Fair. And, and that's 90% of the like struggle is like, okay, what do my players understand of the system? If they have a greater understanding of the system than I do, that's great because then I can go to them and be like, well, how does this, I, I have this here. I want to try and do this. I read it and interpreted it this way. How do you feel like this works this way? That's why I love having a rules lawyer at my table because I can sit, th- sit and look at them and be like, Hey, what is the rule on this? Because I don't genuinely know. And they'll go, blah, 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 blah. Oh, cool. Awesome. So then we'll implement it or we're not. Like, if I think that's dumb, I'll be like, oh, well, that's dumb. I'm not using that. Like, 
and and I think that's where I make my where my strength lies is is in just understand it it's a it's a strength and it's a weakness. I I do very minimal prep, but I do like I said, I like to understand the systems that I'm playing in pretty well before I start playing them. So for example, like I'm working on this night's Black Agents game. It's gumshoe, but it's its own form of gumshoe. So I've been reading like system documents a couple times over to try and get an idea of, you know, oh, well, this has changed between other systems I've played, or this has changed between this, or this has changed, you know, and and taking notes like that to help myself understand that better. But like, as far as story beats and story is concerned, and I know you've beat yourself up for a long time about your cyberpunk game. I think you had a really good cyberpunk game going. And I think that game just collapsed under COVID. And the fact of the matter is, is if you asked anybody at that table, other than one person who just was not jiving with it, everybody was having a great time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I get the frustration from a a GM side where you're like, man, this isn't the, the story I wanted to tell. I want to get you guys back to where I wanted to be. I get that. At the same time, we've grown and learned a lot in those intervening years. And I think you would agree, you know, it's, it's when it comes to story, it's not about location. It's just about telling it. Right. No, I, and say, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think my, my frustration, a lot of it. So here's kind of what happens to me. I'm great for coming up with high level campaign concepts. Mm -hmm. I've got an army of high level campaign ideas, but one of two things seems to happen. Or, or a couple of two things seems to happen. A couple, of, one of a few things seems to happen. There, I'll get my relative comparatives connected somehow. Um, so, I will get a high level concept, and then I will see someone else use it and go, "Oh, like." <laughs> so here's one, and this is going back to long before we started the podcast. I had this idea for a fantasy campaign where the kind of the core of it, the start of it was the party is helping this priest, whatever cleric, something of, of a deity. Right. Well, unbeknownst to them and to the priest, whatever they're being hoodwinked by an evil deity masquerading as this other deity. Right. And so they cool concept. Well, yeah. Until Matt Mercer stole it. (laughs) <laughs> see okay except he didn't steal it because i had never told anybody i know that's that parallel thinking stuff um see my thing with that though is i i have a lot of faith and i know it's it's hard i understand it's hard because i've done it too where you look and you go oh man they did that but they did that better well that's true with a lot of this hobby if you think about what we draw inspiration from we do that a lot when i steal you know when we're building campaigns, we beg, borrow, and steal, right? Like we, right? Books and movies and TV. I could never make a movie near the quality that Star Wars is, but I could absolutely tell some of the Star Wars stories better than they get told. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Like, and and so there's no reason to di- get discouraged when someone like Matt Mercer tell Matt Mercer uses the idea that you had basically but does it in a different way. Yeah, they may have done it and executed it in a, a more highly produced. And yeah, he is very much a professional voice actor. And so it is better voiced. But letting that discourage you does you a great disservice because maybe you had some different twist worked up in your head or you 
you know, you might have done X, Y, and Z differently. Well, that's enough at a table playing with your with a group of players to justify the difference and not being afraid, just not being afraid to just go ahead and go for it and being like, I understand that this may seem familiar, but I've been wanting to tell a story like this for a while and I want to tell my version of it. Mm -hmm. And I know that's, you know, that's not like always the answer you want to hear. But the fact of the matter is, is that when I look at, when I look at GMing or DMing or whatever you want to call it, I look at it as telling my version of a story. No. I look at it as going, I want to tell you the story that I want to tell. And I want you to participate in that. Like, I, I and I keep saying that, you know, I want to tell the story that I want to tell. That's not saying this isn't collaborative. That's not saying that I don't let my players dictate where that story goes or how that changes and how that can be organically changing. But I digress. Uh, no, I think you're exactly right in all honesty. And, and, I think it's it's one of those things, and, and I think a lot of GM advice is this way. It's easy to see it when someone points it out. It's much mm-hmm. harder to convince yourself to follow it. Oh, yeah. No, it. we literally started this episode out by saying there's so much advice that we've given out on this podcast that we ourselves have not listened to. One iota. <laughs> no. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's 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 the truth. It is so easy for me to sit here and be like, oh, well, you just fix that with X, Y, and Z. But the fact of the matter is, is if it happens to me, I go, what the hell is going on? I don't know how to fix this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it It's it's so much easier to give the hypothetical advice than to apply it in situ. I agree. I've um, I definitely I, I, I feel like this is something that. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to say this to sound like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not a better GM than anybody. I'm just a GM. This particular, like that particular thing has, has been something that I struggled with a long time ago. And I finally just got over myself. I was just finally like, screw it. I can't be bothered by this no more. I just have to do it. And, and I, I just going to have to get over it. And, and I would sit and I, the first time I did it, I stressed the entire time. I was like, oh man, they're going to find out. They're going to be like, Hey, didn't Simpsons do this? Like, no, like pushing past that mental block and just being like, no, I'm going to take this. I'm going to rock it. I'm going to own it. It's going to be my thing is something that just takes a little bit of, of mental doing and a little bit of push. No. And also I should know just from the number of strange looks I've gotten in conversations over the years that the connections I make in my brain between things do not come to everyone else. Like you no. and I seem to actually follow each other's brainwaves fairly well, but I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're talking about something with someone and you go off down this rabbit trail and, and you're they like, have minute, no idea where you made it. How did we get there? Yeah. I've, I've been in that conversation where they have no clue how you made the left. And I, I love, I think it's a, I, I think it's a um, feature of ADHD <laughs> where other people that have like your particular brand of it can dial in and understand where the left turn was made. Meanwhile, people that don't have that particular brand are like, where did, where, how did we get to this cornfield? And it's like, well, you didn't notice the signs back there that said, you know, well, that's, I mean, okay. Slight divergent, but I was on a, a, another discord forum talking about guitar stuff. We were talking about inlay dots on a fretboard. Mm -hmm. We got from there to grumbling about cars in like three posts. 
That doesn't shock me. That's not too far off. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and then we stopped and looked and went back and went, oh, okay, that's how we did it. Wait, let's hit the brakes and turn around. Um, uh, but, no, but so, I get that. I, I get it. Go ahead. So Go ahead. That's one thing that happens to me is is I see enough of my idea in something someone else has done that I go, well, man, I don't want to use that, at least not now. The other thing that, that seems to happen fairly often is I get an idea for something in a given system. Mm-hmm. And then someone else goes, hey, I've got an idea to play this. And it's the system that I had an idea for. I'm like, well, if they're going to run that, then I want to do something else. And I, I think that's me just not wanting to be repetitive. And it's not a right, wrong thing, but it, well, it still just bugs me about myself. Not to go down to like a, like a psychological rabbit hole, but it's kind of the same problem. In a Probably. way, it's the same. I, I think you're, I think you're hitting the same mental hiccup of you're going, oh, but they'll probably do it better than I can. Or, oh, well, if they want to do it, then maybe I shouldn't do that. And I don't know. Critics be damned. Just do what you want to do. No, do you, you, you've got a point. I hadn't thought of, but it is in a sense, it's the, I don't want to repeat somebody problem. Yep. Yep. It's, it's completely different faces of it, but it's still the same thing at its core. Well, let me put it this way. Between me, you, and Ben, right? Ben being our, our current GM. Mm-hmm. I run G- Genesis differently than you run Genesis. Ben runs them- Genesis differently than the both of us. Mm-hmm. We put different emphasis, all three of us put different emphasis on different parts of that system. So True. if I have a Savage Worlds game, and you have a Savage Worlds game, and Ben has a Savage Worlds game, do you think we're going to run the same game? No. So that's that's where you sort of have to push yourself and be like, wait a minute, just because I just because I built this out and they're going to run it doesn't mean I can't still run that. And and maybe you can't run it congruently. You know, maybe we can't have two Savage Worlds games going at the same time. That's a little confusing. But we can mm-hmm. finish one up and then follow up with another one. True. You know, or or you know, what I'm using Savage Worlds as an example, but whatever system. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, it doesn't matter. It could be uh, 2D20 by Modifius. It could be, you know, WEG Star Wars. It doesn't matter. It It's the same concept. Um, you just have to sort of go, well, I do things differently than everybody else does them. And so I'm going to run it my way. And I'm going to enjoy the way that this person run it. And maybe, maybe you take some you know, lessons or, or tricks that they do or things that they do that you liked about it and incorporate it in the way you do it. Maybe they don't do anything the way you like it. Okay, great. So you don't take anything away from that from that game. There's nothing wrong with that. No, that's true. I know another, another one of my issues. We'll just call this episode mental splinters. (laughs) (laughs) Is, is, um, so I get, High-level ideas constantly. Mm -hmm. And I have a a Google Doc somewhere full of them. Some of them get partially fleshed out and, again, probably a a function of undiagnosed ADHD or whatever. I not so much lose interest as gain a new obsession. Mm -hmm. And so, like, they're just, like, half-cooked or I just go, well, this is a great idea, but how do I work it out? Oh, look at this shiny thing over here. So I, I do that too. I have a couple of those. 
what I've started doing as of late is when I come up with those half-cocked ideas, I will take and combine them. So say I have three or four high-level ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And by high-level, I'm talking like a sentence at most. John goes to the store and gets mugged. That's an entire story, right? You could tell an entire story around that prompt alone. So maybe I'll use, if I have 10 of those, I might use like three in a campaign. Mm -hmm. Just maybe string them together. Um, I've done it where I just grab three randomly, where it's like, I, I want to use this one, and then, oh, that one looks fun, and that one looks fun. And I always have to, for me, I always have to have a beginning, middle, and end. And I might not use those three prompts as the beginning, middle, and end, but I might use those three prompts. Like I might use the first prompt as my beginning. Uh, and then the second prompt might be like towards the middle, but it's not going to be my direct middle point. My goal is to try and stretch that first prompt into the entire campaign, right? Mm -hmm. So the one I feel strongest about, I want that to be the entire game. Those other two are going to be, you know, either side content or just follies along the way, way to trip players up. Uh, filler basically because mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of this a lot of the long-term gaming stuff that is you need filler and there's even you know mid-term gaming stuff like you're talking about sessions that run you know say you run a half a year campaign a six-month session mm -hmm. or six-month campaign there's going to be weeks where you're like man i really don't feel like putting the effort into the storyline well mm -hmm. that's when you grab one of those one sentence high level ideas and go okay well we're going to do this you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, see, like, I, I actually, I think, I hear what you're saying there. And for me, it's, I think it's more, I get even higher level ideas like that than that, I should say. Like, okay, I'll, I'll just throw this out there. I actually had kind of a, a, a combination of an idea I've had for a long time combined with some new inspiration for Knights Black Agents. Mm -hmm. And I was all set to start working on it. And then you're like, hey, I got this Knights Black Agents thing I'm almost ready to do. And I'm not trying to, like, call you out or anything, because I know your flavor of it is going to be way different than mine. Right. But it, there's also just this element that we're like, then I go, well, okay, so do I want to put all this effort into this right after someone else has run the same game? And, you know, it's... it's or, like, I have um kind of a really neat kind of core idea for a mecha based game, which I had thought mm -hmm. of doing in Genesis because one of the things I want to do, I think would be really a lot easier to do in Genesis because you can hand wave some of the tech spec bits much right. more than you can. And in, in say, not that I've looked at the system closely, but just knowing that, you know, designer say Mechton Zeta. Right. Because Mike likes to stat everything out and not yes. that that's wrong. It's just for my concept, this is going to, that's going to create tons and tons and tons of paperwork. Right. So it, it, it comes to where like, I'm going, well, do I, like, I keep feeling like I don't know enough about the core system to, to bend it to what I need to do sometimes. And I know the solution to that is buckle down and read, but making me buckle <sighs> down and read is. <laughs> yeah. I hate that answer. I, I absolutely hate that answer. <clears throat> How do I say this without without pissing off a lot of people? Okay. An issue that some of the communities on the internet face, especially in the gaming space, is that 
when somebody comes with a question to a group, to a particular community, and goes, hey, how does this work? Or, I don't like this. How can I make this better? A lot of the time, the answer is, I don't know, read the book. Or, somebody that does have the answer will come in the comments and go, yeah, it's here on this page, in this section. Go read it. And that doesn't help anymore. Like, it it, it, it does. But that doesn't answer the question at hand that is not a, a, a beneficial um, uh, discourse. It is, I don't want to say gatekeeping because it's not, it's, it's just, it's not a beneficial discourse. It's not a, a constructive way to help somebody understand something. If you have a, if you have a, a, a question, you should be able to ask and say, hey, how does this work? And somebody should be able to come to you and go, well, if you do this, 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 and this, it does this. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of, well, you just need to buckle down and read it again. No. It, yeah. And I think I, I do it to myself because there's, there's some level of at times where I feel like, well, gee, I run an RPG podcast. I should know how to find this sh crap out on my own. And remember, remember back in the day, we used to say we're not experts or we're not uh, experts. We're not experts. <laughs> and no, <we're> uh, not. <laughs> we got in a fight over that, but <laughs> I don't want to start that fight back up. But yeah, no, we're not experts. We're a couple of guys with some opinions. Fair. We have more experience than most, but there are also a ton of people in our Discord alone that have more experience than both of us. Yeah. We've talked to people, and, and, and I think, oh, I can't remember the quote, and I'm sure somebody can, can find it for me if they want. There's a quote along the lines of, like, understanding what you don't know is, like, true knowledge. Okay. It's, it's that type of idea, where it's basically... The the admission that you don't know something proves that you're uh, smarter than someone who won't admit that they don't know something. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I know the concept. I, I'm i not thinking of a specific quote, but I get the concept. I'm sure completely. there's a bajillion of them, but it's it's that basic concept. And I find that, especially for myself, where I, I'm at in my gaming career, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. There's a lot of games that I've never heard of before. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's there's constantly new games coming out. There's constantly old games that I've never even realized existed. I didn't know the Dallas RPG existed until I discovered it that one time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, until I heard somebody talk about it. It's, it's, you can't know everything about RPGs. It's just unknowable. There's some information that is just never going to be able to be like, no matter how much knowledge on it you have, you'll never have all of the information. And no, and no matter what level you're at, reaching out and asking questions is not a terrible thing. No, that's fair. And now I just glanced over and saw just a sliver of the corner of a book that I have and uh -huh. realized that that might work for my idea, even though it wouldn't necessarily be Mecca. Hmm? Hey, it, Which you would know, lead however, me to reading a whole new dang book <laughs> but it's a pretty book <laughs> look i i uh i found myself reading some books the other day i was like oh man i'm gonna read this and that and i ended up reading a couple new rpgs that i was like oh okay that's cool but yeah it's it's i get where you're coming from where you're like man i should probably know this but i don't that doesn't embarrass me anymore 
I, I used to be so embarrassed by that. I I used to be like, oh, I should know this, but I don't know it. And I, I really need to just look it up myself. And I don't want to ask because asking would mean that, I, that somebody's going to be like, oh, you don't know this. And I used to get hung up on that stuff. I can't. I can't be bothered by it no more. <laughs> I can't. I've I've just come to this I I came to this realization at some point that like man if there's something I don't know I'm just going to ask. No, and and you're completely right and I'd like to think that I do that a lot, but I know I don't. You know, I get very self-conscious and self-critical a lot and I'm sure that's a lot of where a lot of my hang-ups kind of are rooted, you know, where I just like, oh, well I yeah, but this and so I end yeah. up making excuses and discouraging myself. And yeah, it, I, I understand. Trust me, I understand because I'm I'm a lot of the same way in in certain aspects of certain things, and and I'm I'm a lot of the same way when it comes to like okay, perfect example of this. I'm very like as some of you know, I've talked about a little bit my like. Side project that I'd like to get off the ground is my business is is making soap and and different cosmetic items stuff like that wax melts candles all that fun stuff I do that on the side I'm trying to turn that into a business I get very self conscious about like because I did so much research and so much learning before I got into this that I completely understand. I completely understand where you're coming from when you say that you're like apprehensive to ask questions. I get it because I'm that way with the soap stuff. I'm like, I should, I should just know this. I don't, I shouldn't have to ask this question. But again, it goes back to that. There are no dumb questions. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I need to get something in gear and, and like, I know a lot of it is, is very much, just kind of getting myself over that hump, but I struggle to to push at it without either willfully or unwillingly getting myself distracted. And I think that's just me and, and my personality and the way, you know, certain parts of it are. And, you know, there's things that we all have to work on. So I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I just, I like, I've been in this for, and well, You've seen me go through a lot of it, right? I, I, I want to do something, but I never seem to get quite far enough with it. See, and, and for me, I see, so from an outside perspective, I, see, I hear you say that, and then here's what I see you do. You come up with an idea, you get it about 80% done, and the next step would be to just start playing the game. And... You just don't make that step. You just, you sort of give up. You're like, uh, I'm not doing this. See, it's interesting to hear you say that you see me at about 80%, because I feel like I'm at about 10 or 15%. Yeah, but I've heard, you've expressed to me ideas that you would say you're at like 10, 15%, where I'm like, oh, I'm sitting down at a table. I have my books ready and I have players to go at this table. Like, that is the (laughs) crux of this game. We're going. And that's not a, uh, I'm not slighting you, but it's just, you know, that's where I think you're getting hung up is that you're, you feel like you need to do extra, extra work for yourself. And, and I wonder if some of that is, and you can tell me I'm wrong. Sometimes I feel like you get worried that you're going to run into questions you can't answer. Oh, I'm sure that's part of it. I'm completely sure that's part of it. 
I know for me, when I get to questions I can't answer, I um, that's where I get excited. <laughs> that's when I start getting excited about a game. When they start asking me stuff and I'm like, ooh, let me think about that. That's when I'm excited. That's when I'm having the most fun. Because that lets me have the creative freedom to make up an answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. sometimes that's where you're like, I've heard you talk about it. And I'm like, well, why don't you just get it on a table? And you're like, well, but I'm not quite there yet. It kind of sounds like for me, you are. It sounds like you're there. You're just you're just telling yourself you're not there yet. That You could be completely right in that regard. I, I I don't have evidence to argue to the contrary. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm not trying to do this episode as like a big call out to you and being like. No, no, no. I, look, I kind of asked for it. I mean, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think. No, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I can't be the only person who, who feels this way. No, I, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I felt that way for a long time until, and I don't want to say, I don't want to say like that I gave up on caring, but I realized at a certain point we're playing games to have fun. I don't need to take this as serious as I'm taking it. Yeah. It was, you realized you were caring too much. Yes. Well, no, not so much caring too much, just taking it too seriously taking myself, taking this whole hobby too seriously, because at the end of the day, we're all sitting down to play pretend with each other and tell a goofy story. Even even the best tabletop RPGs are goofy stories. And, and, and you could tell the most serious adventure possible. You're still going to have funny, goofy bits. It's just going to happen. That's the whole point of the table sitting down and having fun together and and committing to what level of absurdity or goofiness you're willing to put up with is that's when I start asking questions during like session zero of like, um, you know, what kind of what um, what's the question I always ask? How serious do you want this game to be? That's Mm -hmm. usually how I word it. And that that allows people the freedom to answer honestly. Whereas like I could I could be like on a scale of one to ten, one being dead serious and ten being Monty Python, how you know, like, yeah, sure. But if I say to the group, how serious do you want to take this? And they go, I don't know, I want to have fun. All right, cool. That tells me that we can we can relax, we can breathe. And if if a table comes back and goes, I'd like a pretty serious campaign, I'd like a really serious story, all right, cool. I needed a little, be a little bit more strict. I needed to be a little tighter. But at the same time, you can still have goofy fun and tell a serious game. Look at what I did with Mutant City Blues. Yeah. That was a, like, I built that in a way to be a serious game that had a lot of goofy fun. It had Eric licking shoes and, like, fights in old abandoned malls. And, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it, while it being serious you still had ridiculous goofy silly moments Mm -hmm. and understanding that 90 percent of rpgs are built to have those ridiculous goofy silly moments no look at morkborg morkborg is the perfect perfect poster child for this on the surface that game is a deadly serious super brutal disgusting gross nasty 
fantasy RPG. At the table, that game is a hoot. That game is a riot. You laugh the entire time from the time you sit down to the time your character dies to the time your new character dies. <laughs> yep. You are it it is a comedy of follies. And you know, that's a game that could be taken completely dead serious. Or play it the way it ends up being played. Take it seriously for however long you can take it seriously for, and then as soon as the absurdity starts to hit, let the absurdity happen. That's my thing. I think sometimes we need to take a step back and be like, it is a, a, a fun pastime to entertain ourselves, not not something that has to be incredibly serious all of the time. No, and I, I think you've hit on something that, in a roundabout way, uh, if you want to call it a personality flaw for me, that, that I'm starting to realize and trying to figure out how to come to grips with, and that's that the short way to say it is I demand way too much perfection from myself. And in that, what I'm saying is like, I'm trying in, in my mind, I need to, and, and I don't think this literally, but it's almost like, I think I need to write the greatest campaign ever, every time. And, and where this kind of has, has, I, I started to realize this, I, I used to play guitar. You and I have talked about guitar and I, I recently kind of mm-hmm. got it back out and have been playing around with it and whatnot. And I realized that one of the hangups that I had had years ago and part of the reason I kind of got away from it was because I started doing the same thing again. Like I try to learn a song and I'd worry that I don't get every note right and not that I have the feel and the most of it right. And especially with rock and roll, look, it's, it's the feel, it's the energy. It doesn't matter yeah. if you get every note right. And it's so much easier to say that and look and go, I know that's right, than it is to sit there when you're trying to play and go, oh, I messed that up. Oh, I messed that up. Well, you know, think about it. And, you know, think about it this way. And you might have experienced this more than I have, but how many times have you been just having a fantastic time with a live band at a bar that's playing some terrible Leonard Skinner cover. <laughs> the guitarist doesn't know the solos. The drummer is is five beats per minute faster than he should be. The singer's two octaves higher than he needs to. But they are playing with every bit of their heart. And you are just having a great time. <laughs> yeah. Now, I can't speak 100% from personal experience, but guy I work with told me he saw Bachman Turner Overdrive live. Yeah. He said, they are terrible but it was a blast <laughs> there's the henry rollins clip about metallica like the singer can't sing the drummer can't drum like it's it's this whole scathing um hold on i'll see if i can find it well no i get what i don't know if i've ever seen that bit but okay let's talk about an example that you and i can both kind of relate to a little bit here van halen van hagar david lee roth is not as good of a vocalist as Sammy Hagar. I don't think you'll find very many people ever who will argue that Dave is a better vocalist than Sammy. Dave is, and not that Sammy is a bad showman or a bad frontman, but Dave is by far a better entertainer frontman than Sammy, in my opinion. Sammy works a crowd great. He's very, very good. 
but especially when they were young, Dave just had that thing. Right. You know, I, and I think, I don't know how that ties back to RPGs other than maybe, you know, it's okay if you're Sammy Hagar and not David Lee Roth or vice versa. Do what you're good at. Just, I need to convince myself of all that. Yeah. And convincing yourself is you cut out there. Convincing yourself is the hard part. Yeah. That's, that's the truth. Oh, that was a round and round way to get to that. But I think that's where we needed to get to. Yeah. Do you want to move into game of the week? Sure. Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. So I have one, unless you want to start things off. Either way, I've got one picked out too. I have one that's all of a dollar. Okay. It is called Deadly New Year. And it's by Micro RPG. It's a micro player. Um, It's all of 99 cents. Uh Uh-huh. And... Basically, you play, it's New Year's Eve, 1985. You and your college friends are partying in a penthouse apartment, but a killer is on the loose hunting you with a vendetta. Uh, it's a super basic RPG. It has complete playable rule set, blah, 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 blah. All of that's listed on their, on their drive-thru. It was just released right at the end of last year, December 31st, 2023. Um you need the rules, two 20-sided die, 110-sided die, and a pencil and eraser. It looks pretty fun. I don't know. It looks fun to me, at least. Well, I mean, look at the fun we had and just, you know, I mean, the episode dropped today as we're recording with War on Christmas. Oh, yeah. Now, now there's nothing to that. We were terrible, but we had a blast. Oh, well, you guys had some terrible roles. That yeah, I've never seen six sided die hate people more than it hated you guys. Have. But but yeah, that's why. Oh my goodness, that's mine. All right. Well, what I guys? found something. I don't know how new it is. It's actually a little over a year old, but I stumbled across it. It's a game called Eternus. I'll drop you a link in the green room. Just yeah, I'm trying to look for mine. Let me find where it is. It is. I'm going to call it a space fantasy RPG, but um, as humankind has conquered the stars, we've made our homes on endless worlds. Then we fell. At the peak of our understanding and mastery of the universe, we have lost our way and forgotten how we got there. So in a way, probably some, you know, not dissimilar, at least in base concept to um, what the heck is the Big Money Cook title? I'm having a brain fart. Oh, um, Invisible Sun or whatever it's called. No, not not that one. The, the, I, I wanted what's Star the crap number? No, 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 no. It's it's Monty Cook. It's Cipher System, but it was like the first big one. I can't think of the name now. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm drawing a blank. Somebody's yelling it. Somebody oh, yeah. is yelling it at their phone. Numenera. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So it, it, at the surface, it, it probably has some some crossover to Numenera, in that it's yeah, it's it's kind of. Sp- post-apocalyptic space fantasy type thing, right? Right. But that's kind of, I think, where it ends, because it, it, it appears, they're saying it's a time of brave paladins, powerful sorcerers, and foul despoilers, you know, dangerous alien beasts, blah, 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 blah. It's built off a custom system that they're say, they say is inspired by, like, Forged in the Dark and Apocalypse Engine, but is its own. Simple 1D6 system, there's 10 archetypes and cast to choose from, you know, et cetera. And so 
character creation is fast and simple. I don't know. It, it just looks interesting. Um, it's currently marked down. I don't see it as being part of any sale. It's six bucks for the PDF. And they also have a free quick start. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's called Eternus. And uh, it's from a company called the Black Orifice, which I've never heard of before. But, yeah, it, it seems like it could be fun. And it's cheap. And they have a free quick start. So there's really no reason not to at least get the quick start. Yeah, at the very least. Well, that is cool. Any final thoughts, Steve, before we wrap up for the night? No, other than I hope that some of our rambling has maybe helped somebody out there, maybe get over some of their hiccups and hangups and whatever. And I hope it helps me do the same. And, you know, I mean, heck, come on over to the Discord if you haven't already. and, And we can talk about this stuff there and all help each other yeah exactly well and as always links to everything we talked about are in the show notes discord patreon we are fully listener supported going into 2024 we're looking to have well, we don't have anything lined up yet but we're, we're looking into having some guests on some expect our usual call quality when it comes to guests bigger names smaller names independent artists you know everything in between yep um and as always, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another. Get out there and play some RPG. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. And I really hope you couldn't hear the dog crying the entire time. And-